I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Okay, let's get it started with the reviewer of the week. This one comes from Amine632. She says, impartial, I shouldn't say she, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a guy, that's cool. Anyways, impartial, informative, thank you. I am a 33-year-old, first-time mom, not a guy. I, You know what, I did read this before the episode, not a guy. Okay, I am a 33-year-old, first-time mom, writing to say Thank you to these women for sharing their knowledge. In short, if you're looking for a podcast to educate you on your options, you found it. And that was all caps. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. And then she goes into more detail. And this is the cool part, you guys. She says, a bit more detail. And it is a little bit of detail, so stay with me. I started listening to this podcast at the beginning of my third trimester after I missed my hospital's only birthing class and began to realize I knew nothing about what was coming. I had a bit of skepticism simply because I figured they probably valued the, quote, unmedicated birth more than the one with pain meds involved. I was not convicted strongly either direction as a first-time mom, daughter of a former midwife, believer in science, and someone who trusted my OB, so I was seeking more information. Boy, did I luck out finding this podcast. I quickly realized their judgment-free approach and heart for sharing info and respecting all choices. They truly want you to be informed so you can have the labor and delivery experience that is best for you. I binge listened to many episodes on 1.2 times the speed, interviewed a doula at 37 weeks after deciding I wanted as little intervention as possible following my normal pregnancy, and ultimately chose to go with my husband and sister rather than a doula for my birthing team. I was informed in creating my own birth plan document, a laboring plan to guide my husband and sister in supporting me, and in making decisions that my doctor respected and supported during my unmedicated vaginal birth. I did it. They constantly say, quote, if we can do it, you can too. And it's true. These women are to credit with my preparation and education that allowed me to have an amazing birthing experience. Thank you. I cannot say enough about how grateful I am that you left this review and I really appreciate the detail because I hope that you know that sharing your story in any regard especially in a positive light is encouraging other mothers to want to have more information and do these things for themselves as well and a hundred percent I don't just say this I know it if I can do it so can you Um, and in fact I held on to that 
from other birthing women for a long time before I was able to achieve that. But I kept looking forward and I was like, you know what, if she can, if she can do it, so can I. Um, And then when you actually do it, you're like, holy cow, that was the best thing ever. And now I have to share it with the world. And it's totally true. Like I'm, there's nothing special about me. If I can do it, so can you. So I hope that you guys, all of you listening, totally, totally agree with that. Um, Or at least grab the hope from it so that you can move into a space where you have that story to tell as well. All right. This week's episode, I feel like this is something that's kind of running rampant and maybe just let me get to talking here for a moment, but it's going to focus on prodromal labor. Um, I can't say it's ever something that I really planned to focus on necessarily like within a podcast episode or honestly, there's not a ton of information about it, um, even within the birth course, like detailed, focused, resource kind of information yet, mind you, now that we're doing this and talking about it, it'll get in there. Um, But because mostly I felt like it wasn't super common or common enough to really dig deep and talk about it for an entire podcast or to really give it a ton of attention. But let me tell you that 2020 has changed a lot of things, obviously for birth, um, and that includes prodromal labor. And I'll get into the why of that in just a bit. But truly, this it's not an uncommon occurrence. And I love giving you all the information that you can have to be prepared in every way for your upcoming birth. And so as I'm watching what's happened um, within the last year or two, it's really interesting seeing what you guys are in need of now. And I, I'll get to why in, in just a little bit. But today I'm going to walk you through exactly what prodromal labor is what the risks are, if there's any benefits, because um, there might be, how to prevent it, what to do for yourself and your baby if you end up experiencing this, and what it means for the end game. Or in other words, how is this going to affect my birth plan? That's the big question, right? And if it ultimately means that you can't have the birth that you were hoping for, or if you can. So let's dive in. What's prodromal labor? This is I mean, sometimes it's considered false labor, right? But we say labor for a reason. Prodromal labor is often called false labor, but I'm going to call it early labor. Um, And because as a woman who has had prodromal labor myself and also speaking with other women who have also experienced prodromal labor, these are very real labor contractions. Braxton Hicks are very different, right? You feel a tightening of your stomach. Sometimes it might take your breath away or you have to like take an extra breath of air with a Braxton Hicks, but it doesn't hurt. It's not painful. You're just like, wait, what was that? With prodromal labor, you're like, ooh, that's a contraction. Or maybe for many hours, that's a contraction. The difference between prodromal labor and active labor is one ends with the baby in your arms and the other does not. This type of labor typically comes hours or days or even weeks before this active labor begins, or in other words, before labor kicks in. And so it can be a little tricky. And I want to talk to you today about kind of that emotional, physical part of it, but that'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. All right, so the tricky part about prodromal labor is that it consists of contractions that really mimic real labor contractions. And that includes the fact that they can, they're not only uncomfortable, but they become longer, stronger, and closer together, just as if you were going into labor. And so I'll tell you from my own experience with my third baby that I called my husband home like three or four times from work. Like, no, for sure, I'm having contractions. This is it. Let's go for a walk, get things moving. And they would fizzle out. And I did this for weeks. Um, And that's not the case for everyone, but it must run in the family because you heard my sister's story, right? And she had prodromal labor for weeks. Now, I didn't have it for that long. I think it was like two weeks. But at the same time, anyways, she I mean, she had it for six weeks. So you can have it for days. 
You can have it um, for hours, like it comes and goes, same day, and then eventually labor kicks in, or you can literally have it for weeks. So it's not super uncommon, and we'll go into the whys and, and, like I said earlier, exactly what you can do to kind of make things better. But just know that they're very real contractions, um, and it can really throw you off. So it's totally normal to be like, I think it's time to get checked, or I think it's time to call my partner home. Don't be upset with yourself if you do that. That's totally normal. Um, and the thing about them, too, is just like real labor contractions, when you change activity, they don't necessarily go away. So we say, right, when you've got some contractions, and sometimes with prodromal labor, this will happen, where we say, okay, we'll switch up your activity. So if you are at work and you've been walking around, um, or if you're at home and you've been laying down, let's switch that up. If you were walking, go take a rest. If you're laying down, get up and move. Go eat something, take a shower, lay down and rest, see if those contractions continue to get longer, stronger, closer together. And we normally say if that's the case and it goes on for this amount of time, right, then that's real labor. And so these can kind of throw you off because they really do mimic that. But you should know these contractions are preparatory. So they may be helping encourage the baby into a better birthing position. They may be helping prepare muscles and ligaments and the pelvis for active labor. Um, and they may help help prepare mom for what's coming soon. Um, but like I said, I'm going to talk to you exactly about what you need to do if you're experiencing this in just a little bit. Um, first, let's talk about how common it is, though. Um, they're not uncommon. And so that's kind of the tricky thing. Like I tried to look up data and information and give you guys some kind of percentages and I don't have them. So all I know is that I have talked to women who have experienced it. I have experienced it myself um, and I've supported women who have experienced it. So I know it is not uncommon. Um, and like I said, 2020 has been really fun. And so on top of being not uncommon, we're seeing it be more common. So um, that's not to say that you're absolutely going to have it. But just be aware that it's totally normal if it does occur. Um, and it's not like, yeah, not out of the realm of normal. So don't let it totally freak you out. I also want to say that if you've had prodromal labor with prior labors, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen to you again. And never having experience doesn't mean that it can't happen. So um, I did have... I guess I kind of had prodromal labor with my first baby. Maybe it wasn't prodromal though. <laughs> if you guys remember, I told my birth story. My first baby, I kind of woke up with a trickle in the middle of the night. And so I was waiting for contractions to come on. And I remember I called into my birthplace and they said, yeah, go ahead and like feel your stomach, pay attention, how close are they together? And I was having contractions, but they were like 10 minutes apart. But I went immediately from, I think my I have some kind of leak in my water to experiencing contractions and then moving into birth, right? We did an induction um, and used Pitocin and some kind of, you know, things that way. But with my other two births, I had prodromal labor with my second one for just a couple of days and they really picked up at night. So I wasn't sleeping very well and I had a little guy at home. But with my third is when I had a ton of prodromal labor. So with my second, I had a couple of nights and a lot of things going on, a lot of like not a lot of rest happening, but I quickly kind of moved into labor within a couple of days. I think it was like maybe two days of prodromal labor and then I moved into actual labor. With my third baby, that was totally different. I had prodromal labor. It was for at least a week. I feel like it was between one and two weeks. 
Now I'll have to ask my husband. Um, but I, it was just like constant and it would, it wasn't just at night, but it was also at night and it was also during the day and it was also when I was laying down and it was also when I was moving around and it was really, really hard to kind of, um, understand. But I just wanted to say that like, you know, just cause you've had it or haven't had it doesn't necessarily affect that at all. Now let's talk about the risks though. Um, because there are risks that are associated with pajama labor, although you might not think of um, like what I'm about to say is like, oh, I wouldn't have considered that necessarily a risk. So the number one, and this is a big one, this is the one that moms, and I can relate to this, are like, I can't do this anymore. And that's the emotional exhaustion, right? There's the physical aspect for sure. But the emotional exhaustion is like, mom's not getting sleep at all at night. Um, you, you're sitting up every time, like it gets going, you're like, Oh, this is it. This is it. You know, and you get so excited and, um, kind of that adrenaline kicks in and you call together the birth team or you're calling your husband home from work and it's draining. All of that is really draining. And if you've experienced this before, you know exactly what I talk, what I'm talking about. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm totally aware. Um, but really what I think what happens is you kind of start to feel like you've got less control over the situation. Whereas like, sure, when labor begins, like it's not like you have any control, right? The The body is doing what it's doing and you're just there for the ride. But when it is happening so often and you, you're you not like, oh, I'm in labor, it's like, oh, I'm in labor, wait, no, I'm not. Wait, I'm in labor, no, I'm not. Then you start feeling even less control over the situation. And I think it leaves women worrying about their birth plan. Um, how much longer can I do this? My body is starting to get exhausted now and labor hasn't even kicked in. And so you just kind of have those doubts and stuff creep in. And so um, that is a risk, right? The emotional exhaustion. And then you've got the physical things. So this is like, my body is tired. I'm not getting enough sleep, especially if you have other kids at home. It makes it even harder if you're not getting sleep and then you're really not getting sleep because you can't take a nap or whatever because you're dealing with little kids running around. Um, and then realizing that the emotional toll of things has a physical weight. So, um, I, I mean, I'm sure that you've experienced that before. If you've ever walked through a hard time, you've had something difficult in your life or you felt stress even that has a physical effect on our bodies. And so all of that emotional stuff plays in. And on top of having very physical things that are happening, you also have the weight of that emotional stress. And so it really can just be kind of hard. And the truth is too, um, you can't get very comfortable, right? When your body is feeling like that, it is really hard to get comfortable. As far as medical risks, because I feel like this is important, there's really not that many. When it comes to the medical side of things, it's not like, oh, I'm having all these contractions. Is it harming my baby or my body? Mom and baby really tend to do fine with prodromal labor. And so that is the good news. Um, on top of that, I do want to tell you about the benefits of prodromal labor. And yes, there are benefits to prodromal labor. Many women who experience this actually have a shorter active stage of labor. And so I would say that was number one, right? Like I'll have a mom that I am um, like as a doula, I'll have a mom who is, you know, having contractions and it's been a week and like she's so tired and so exhausted. And then she goes into labor and she has her baby in just three to four hours and she's ready for it. It's not like this, like, you know, they, they call it like the fast and furious labors. It's never like that. Um, I shouldn't say never. But for the majority of the time, because it's like, oh, I've had these like practice contractions and I was kind of ready for it. And then I wasn't even really sure that this was the real thing because of all the prodromal labor. But things really picked up. And then I had my baby pretty quick. And I'm so glad that I didn't, you know, have to sit in a labor for 18 hours 
Um, but that I had all this other time to have my contractions doing things. And then the labor and birth was actually pretty quick. So I want you to remember that every contraction um, that your body is doing is doing work. And every single bit of work that you can get done before that baby uh, or before you go into labor, before that baby's born, is going to be to your benefit. So keep that in mind. Kind of like I said before, a lot of moms actually love these practice contractions. And at first, <laughs> the first couple of days, and even of my third one, I remember thinking like, oh, how cool. Like I get to practice my relaxation and um, kind of like tune into my body. And this is what a contraction feels like. And then it's not so scary. And I think too, especially for first time moms that experience this, we can really easily get it in our heads that contractions are going to be this big, scary, painful thing. And so when it actually happens, when you actually have some contractions, you're like, okay, I can take a deep breath now. I can do this. And that's very real. So I think prodromal labor, um, not just for first-time moms, but I would say especially for first-time moms, can actually be kind of this like cool, comforting thing. And I know if you're out there and you've had prodromal labor and you're listening, you're like, way, way, way back that up. But I, I do, like if you've had it before, I want you to like pause and think back. Like those first contractions, you were probably pretty excited, um, even if it didn't lead to a birth, right? And it gave you an opportunity to think about what are the positive affirmations or positive things that I'm saying in my head or what um, can I do to practice relaxation or should I be listening to my meditations? You kind of like find all those ways to get into your zone, right? So I think it can be really positive. I think the practice contractions can also kind of be great for partners because it's likely that you're going to get the birth bag ready and the car ready and the like everything. And if it's not really go time, well, then great. You don't have to worry about scrambling and, and getting everything together. Right. And you might even remember some things later that like, oh, shoot, I'm so glad it wasn't real labor this time or or that it wasn't, you know, active labor this time, because then I can grab these extra things and throw them in the bag or whatever. So remember, there are some positive things. The other side of that is everybody that you have to worry about, like for your birth team, you're probably going to have already called them, right? Um, you won't have to worry about like everyone's going to be kind of on edge waiting to hear from you. It's not like, oh, shoot, this is it. We got to go. And you call people in their different places. You probably don't have to worry about that so much. You're going to have people checking in on you with may or may not be annoying. Um, but then you're, you're also going to have kind of that just that touch so that people know she's in labor or she's really close to it. And so I'll stay close by. And, and I feel like that can be really comforting and supporting. I also know moms that use this time. This was not me because I just didn't want to. But this could be you. And that is um, taking time to get either the nursery ready or those last minute washing of the clothes or meal prep. Like meal prep is really big, right? Especially those last couple weeks. And honestly, I think you should do it before those last couple weeks because if it's if you're like me, I am just like tired. So um, I don't want to be prepping meals and whatever else. If you have like an awesome mother-in-law or mom that wants to come over and do that, totally support. But it might be like a really good time and a distraction if you're like, okay, pretty sure this is labor. Wait, I'm not sure. That's a good time to like let's prep some meals, right? And to get the rest of the home ready. So let's make sure we have our nursing station set up and our bathroom station set up and whatever I need for the next couple weeks so I don't have to stress. Um, and I, I also think it could be really fun to like, and this is me, right? Because I go into labor and I'm like, let's go to Target. That sounds fun to me which was hard when I was in Germany, by the way. Okay, but more Target runs, right? Or like something, you're like, great, let's go home shopping. Let's, whatever. I mean, whatever's fun for you. Target is obviously my thing. 
but it can also mean more time with your partner. Like let's take time and do some dinner dates. I think all of that can be super, super fun. And I would say even your mental state can improve in the sense that you realize, like I said before, that you can handle contractions. And so what seems scary before becomes realistic and manageable now. And so you can kind of move into that next stage that way. So I say for at, at least for like making it positive, just make the best of it. Do what you can with the time that you have before baby gets here to try your best to make the best of the prodromal labor. Okay, I promised I would tell you kind of the background about what's happening for the causes of this. And so there's a couple things. And not only are they important, but I want to help you kind of work through them. That way, if you do hit this point, um, you'll have some tools in your tool belt that you can pull from. Uh, And so number one is baby's position. Typically, when we're talking prodromal labor, I go there first. And it's not that other things can't be going on, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But baby's position plays a huge part of this. Um, It's probably the most common out of any of them. And the truth is, sometimes you can't control it. Sometimes we can, but sometimes we can't. And so I'll I'll get to exactly how we're going to help baby's position in a moment. But right now, I'm just listing everything that can cause prodromal labor the physical factor right so if mom has some kind of uterine or pelvic abnormality um, or something that's changed with the uterus from a prior pregnancy if there's like some kind of physical thing that's going on within the the body within the uterus then that might be the cause of prodromal labor anxiousness now this was the part where i was like 2020 kind of brought on some interesting things and um you know, some of them were even positive where it's like, great, they're telling moms if you're healthy and low risk, it's actually safe to be giving birth at home. Um, And then some of it was a little not so fun. And one of those things that we're seeing is um, kind of that emotional anxiousness that can cause prodromal labor. And I hope to be able to talk a little bit about this with one of the future guests that I'll have on here, a midwife who said she totally noticed this with the pandemic, that she's like, I started attending all of these births, I would show up and labor would be going and then it would fizzle out. And she's like, it's just not common with the symptoms and everything that we were discussing before I got there. And she's like, we're just seeing it a lot. And so anxiousness or, you know, some kind of uncertainty, emotional, all that stuff can cause prodromal labor. I actually thought it was kind of funny how prodromal labor can cause so many emotions, but then it can also be caused by them. But then Maybe that's not so funny. So (laughs) on top of all the physical things that you're going to be doing for positioning that you can do, and I'll get into that in a minute, it's really important that you're taking care of your mental health. Um, And so there's, if you're in the birth course, obviously there's guided meditations. Um, I'm going to attach the find it and flip it exercise to the show notes here. And I want everyone to use that. That's kind of where you like figure out whatever fear or anxiety or bad thought you have going on, how to flip that into something positive. Um, And to be really clear about like just the direction in doing that and then the positive effect that it has. It's really important. And then you've got things like yoga or you can do some deep breathing, positive affirmations, kind of along with the find it and flip it, but you can just add affirmations in at any time that aren't specific to clearing other fears or or issues like that. Talking to your baby, I think, um, and we talk about this, especially like with breech babies, that one of the things that's really important to do is to be like, okay, baby, like we need you to move. And, you know, talking to your baby or talking about how much you love them or how you're looking forward to meeting them and all of that, that can actually reduce your anxiousness. So I think that's really important for you to think about as well. 
talking to your partner. So good communication is going to help you feel better, period. And along with that counseling, it doesn't have to necessarily be with your partner. But um, if you are having anxious feelings, if you're having doubts about things, if you're noticing that it's having that physical effect on you or not, and you just want to talk to somebody, I am a big proponent of counseling. You are absolutely welcome to. And um, I would ask that you do, you can reach out for support. And that includes to myself. So if you're ever like, I don't, I'm having a hard time or I don't know what to do or what about this? And I feel like I get these a lot in my DMs, but I also just want to make myself available. So um, yes, Instagram, it's at my essential birth. If you are looking to email me, that's hello at my essential birth. I get back to people pretty quick and I feel like I get a ton of questions. Actually, this is where the Padroma labor came from, right? Is a lot of women are experiencing this right now. And so this is my opportunity to kind of talk to you and, and do that. But I want to make sure that you guys have good support. So whatever that looks like, whether that's your provider or your husband or whatever, a counselor, um, some kind of third-party person, you you have to make sure that you've got that support. And then the last thing is just kind of pregnancy history, right? So if there are prior things, it's it's not like set in stone. If you've had Padroma Lay before, you're going to have it again. However, that could be the case. And so um, anyways, other, uh, and other things like if there's a prior C-section and we, we talked about, well, maybe there's uterine abnormalities in the sense that it's changed the shape or the whatever of the uterus, then maybe you're looking at prodromal labor. There's just some other factors that could be there. And so I wanted to make sure to mention that. So let's talk about how to correct baby's position though. So number one is prevention. And I feel like you guys are going to know exactly what I'm going to say, right? The three free exercises, like they're not just for fun, um, <laughs> although they are kind of fun, um, but they're, it's all positioning. And so if you are doing the three exercises every single day, which is your forward leaning inversion, pelvic tilts, and a good squat, um, then those are all going to be things that help baby. It encourages baby into a really good position. And if you've got those on your side, if you can prevent by keeping baby in a good position, since position is the number one reason for prodromal labor, um, then that's going to be to your benefit. Um, I feel like the exercises are pretty easy. And so as long as you're consistent about it, it should be really good for you. Um, and we talked about healthy communication. So that obviously, if we're talking about anxiousness, that's really important as well. And then making sure that you've kind of created that dream birth team, people that you can reach out to. They're going to be really supportive. They're going to be able to offer you suggestions, which I'm going to give you a list in just a moment, but they'll be able to offer that real time when you're experiencing it. That's going to be really, really important. The other thing I want you to think about is relaxation. Um, relaxation is something that is, it, it's, we don't do it naturally. So it has to be practiced. It's part of muscle memory. So I want you to think about relaxation, the importance behind that, and then make sure that you're doing it if possible every single day, um, particularly by yourself. And at least if you can every single day with your partner. And the reason for that is like we've talked about before, it's kind of that muscle memory, right? If you were tense or if you're, you know, going through things in your mind, it's natural for people to show tension, emotional and from physical pain um, in different parts of their bodies. And particularly with labor, you have to be able to relax and let go. Your body is going to be tensing up and doing its own things in regards to like contractions and, and, you know, preparing for labor. Our job is to get out of the way of it. And that's easier said than done. And so that's why we say it's, practice. You have to practice it. Muscle memory is a thing, but it's learned. So if you're practicing every day, and I've talked about this before, but you've got the light stim and you've got a scent in the air like lavender or something like that, and you're laid down and you're breathing deep into your belly, you know, all of these things, 
then if you're practiced and your body knows, oh, we've done this so many times now, um, then your body knows how to relax in those more difficult or, you know, prodromal labor situations. Then when it goes, when it's time and you can utilize some of those things, your body will naturally begin to relax. But if it hasn't been practiced, it's going to be a lot harder. Um, the other part of that is your partner should know how to support you all along the way. So that includes knowing counter pressure techniques and being emotional support and practicing relaxation with you and just being your rock, right? The person that he's aware of your birth plan, he knows exactly what you want and he knows how to get you there. And he's going to stand kind of just, he's going to be that barrier, right? That gatekeeper for exactly what you're looking to be able to do with your birth. These are the positional things that we get to move into right now. Okay, so if baby does need some help, These are some things I want you to have kind of in the back of your mind and that you can physically do to help encourage them into a better position. Because a lot of times, and this is why it happens later in pregnancy, um, baby's running out of space or they're dropping down a little bit lower and they're starting to hit and to move onto things that are irritating the uterus and causing contractions. And normally, right, with labor, we want that to happen, but it comes from baby sending a signal and hormones releasing. Um, In this case, that might not be the case. So when we're talking position, there's a couple things that you can do. Um, For this one, it's called the side lying release. And if you're in the birth course, we've got a video and detailed explanation and everything that you need to be able to do that. If not, I'm going to attach um, in the link or the link in the show notes, it will be from Spinning Babies. And they also have like, if you go directly to their website and you use this link, it'll show you even with a video exactly how to do it. It should be done with a partner. There's a way to do it yourself. It's easier done with a partner. Um, And so anyways, you can head there and take a look at it. But basically, I I mean, I'm not, I feel like I shouldn't even try to describe it, (laughs) but you're lying, you're side lying. Um, There's a way that your body has to be, like you can't have your neck craned back and your back needs to be straight. And um, so I feel like describing it on the podcast probably isn't the best for you. Um, But basically you're helping by lifting your upper leg. If you're laying on your side, the leg that's on top and pushing it over the edge and like you kind of almost and then you lean it over the edge and it kind of squeezes the uterus and just makes a space so that baby's like, oh, I got to move out of there and kind of move into a better space. And so side lying release is definitely top of the list obviously the forward leaning inversion. So this is something that you should be doing every day. Um, But I'll tell you right now, like the big question I get, like I know you're going to be asking me this, will it flip my baby into a breech position? So we're talking about position, right? And your baby is head down and you want them to stay head down and you're 35, 36, 37 weeks and you start off with padroma labor. Will it flip my baby into a breech position? No, it will not. So I hope that that clears up a little bit of that. But um, it was designed by Dr. Carol Phillips. And we actually included her within the birth course. And we got permission for it. We asked her those questions. It will not flip a baby in a good position into a bad position. It is simply to encourage good positioning. This can be done on a couch or a chair. Literally, you can just kind of put some like pillows or blankets or something down on the ground. Um, again, as you're very pregnant um, in your final as, as Michael Scott would say, the terminal stages of your pregnancy, right? Um, as you're in those later stages of your pregnancy, um, you're going to want to, you're going to want some help. You're kind of top heavy and leaning over and forward might not be so easy. So use a couch or a chair, you get a couple of pillows, um, put your hands down onto your elbows and butt straight in the air, seriously for like three breaths and that's it. 
So it just lets baby kind of come up and out of the pelvis just enough to like reposition, be in a good place, and then you're done. Uh, the other thing that you can use is rebozo sifting. So a rebozo is a very specific type of like fabric that's woven into what's called a rebozo, and it's used specifically for this. But you don't need to have one. You can use a sheet, and that's totally fine. You will need another person for this. There's no way you can do it by yourself. And so um, mom would be in hands and knees. Dad would, or uh, um, somebody, any kind of birth partner, birth support, can take the sheet. You're going to put it from the very top of your belly to the very bottom towards your pelvis. Make sure it covers it completely. Mom's in hands and knees. The other person, the support person, is standing over mom. And you've got both sides of the sheet in either hand. And you just sift. You sift it like apples. Like they were just saying, if you were like sifting apples or kind of shaking, that's what they call it. And what that does is it kind of, same thing. Like let's lift baby up and out of the pelvis a little bit, shake them, shake them a little bit, and then see if they kind of move around and find some good positioning back into a good place. Um, circles on a ball is another one. So if you have any kind of birth ball, yoga ball, which highly recommend that you should have one anyways, um, especially as you're towards the later parts of your pregnancy, but it, it helps with posture. It helps with your core. It's it's good for everything. And if you can just do figure eights on a ball. So you're sitting on the ball and literally moving your hips in a figure eight motion. And you can just sit and do that for like five to 10 minutes at a time, a couple deep breaths that can help with position as well. The abdominal lift, and this is something that does require um, someone else. You can do it yourself. It's just likely it's not going to be as effective because if you're holding onto your own belly and you're lifting that belly up, just the like tension and stuff that would be everywhere from the lift is not going to help you to be relaxed so that baby can move into that better place. It's not exactly totally true. Like baby can move from that and you don't anyways. It doesn't, it's okay if you can't completely relax, but if you can have a partner helping you to do it, it's way better. So there's two ways that you can do it with a partner. One is that um, this person will come up directly behind you and put their hands under your belly and do a nice big lift and you'll take a couple deep breaths like that. Or that same person can use a sheet just like you did in the hands and knees and pull up from behind you while you're standing and lift that belly up. So either way, whatever is most comfortable and feels good and then just a couple deep breaths. I also want you to think about curb walking. So this is just what it sounds like. You have one foot on the curb, the other off the curb, and you're walking up and back and you switch feet as you walk up and back. Um, baby's position could be posterior. It could be asynclitic. Um, a posterior baby means that they kind of come up, they come out sunny side up, or in other words, the back of their head is aimed towards your tailbone, which is why you get sporadic contractions, which is why you get pain in the lower back area. So that is a position that may or may not cause prodromal labor. Also, if baby is asynclitic and they're down low, and that means the head is tilted to one side, there's just a lot of things hitting like a lot of your baby hitting a lot of your body down low and that can cause contractions or prodromal labor. So those are just some things to keep in mind. Um, and I hope that you will use them because those are they're really, really excellent information um, and useful information, stuff that I use with my doula clients all the time that are experiencing prodromal labor. I've actually gone to women's homes when they're like, 38, 39 weeks, even 40, 40 weeks. And they're, you know, I've been having contractions for two days. It's like, okay, let's, you know, let's, we're going to spend an hour or two and we're just going to do all the things. Um, and then generally moms get better sleep that night. Often babies move into a better position and the next labor is the active labor and it's go time. So those are really useful things that I hope that you will utilize. 
Another question I get is, when am I most likely to experience this, especially for moms who are not really close to the end of that labor yet? When is this going to happen? And so, like I said, my sister, I feel like is the exception, poor girl, but hers was like 34 weeks. Um, However, it's typically closer to labor. And like, yes, we say days or weeks, but when I say weeks, I'm thinking like maybe two, like is more realistic than like the six. And of course, I will have women message me that were like, no, for sure, I was the six. So um, those are, that's why I wanted to give you all the positional stuff. So if you, for sure, if you're having really early signs of prodromal labor, those are the things that you want to get going right away. Um, the tricky part about it is it can come anytime, day or night. Um, I mean, does anything set it off? Like we talked about like position, anxiety, not always, but something to be aware of. And then baby dropping can kind of do that too. So think about that. Um, also probably at night when you get comfortable, right? <laughs> Just when you're about to go to sleep, that'll set it off. Baby's like, Mm-mm, not going to happen today. Um, and then other questions that I feel like I get is like, how does this affect my birth plan? Can I still have an unmedicated birth? Is my risk for cesarean birth higher? Hopefully I've put your mind at ease about some of those things. Nothing on your birth plan needs to change. But remember that this is a great example of having a plan, right? And and making sure that that's more of a map and remembering to remain flexible. Because when we all dream up our, our beautiful births, they don't normally start with prodromal labor. We don't even think about it. It's not part of the birth story that we've put. And it's definitely not part of the birth plan. So um, it's OK. It, we don't always know when labor will begin. And the truth is prodromal labor can last for days or weeks. So it's just kind of one of those things where you want to remain flexible. You And here's the other part of it, right? You can have it. You cannot have it. You can um, still experience things like your water breaking, even though you're, you've got prodromal labor or you can't. Like it, it, there's nothing special about this. Um, other, I mean, irritating maybe, <laughs> special in the sense that not everybody gets to do it, uh, but nothing like it doesn't make anything totally different. You can still lose your mucus plug and everything else that comes along with birth. And yes, you can still have an unmedicated birth if that's your desire. Um, I'm also going to encourage you to listen to your body and be gentle with yourself though, because just like when we're talking about other things like induction um, or really long labors where exhaustion is a very real thing, that's a good time and a good place for other medical interventions such as an epidural. Um, And that is an option that's available to you. And so I also, I don't want you to feel ever like I'm pushing one thing or the other. And so obviously the entire part of this is just making sure that you have all the information and so that you feel good about all of your birth stuff when it's done. So if you're at a birth center or you're at home and the only way to get any kind of help or, um, like epidural medication, things like that is by transferring. And truthfully, if maybe that's why you picked that location in the first place um, is to encourage you without pain meds, then I want you to do all of these things. And also if you're at, at your birthplace and that birthplace is a hospital and you're like, no, my plan is to have an unmedicated birth. This is really important to me for whatever reason I want to do this. I want you to utilize all of your birth tools. And that looks like water, right? Warm water is like one of the best things that you can do. Position changes. And I'm not talking about for the baby now. I'm talking about for you. So like every 30 minutes, you should be changing up your position, um, whether that's Um, like hanging over the bed or you're walking or you're in the shower or the bath or you're using a birth ball or you're on your side using a peanut ball, making sure that you're changing positions. Um, Counter pressure is going to be huge. A lot of hands-on support is good. Heat, walking, tons of movement, rest and relaxation, just all the things that we're talking about all the time. And then I know that people are going to ask too, like, okay, so what's the cesarean birth risk, right? Um, And the truth is that it doesn't necessarily increase that risk, but 
I will say that getting admitted earlier in labor and having more monitoring and more interventions can increase that risk. So that's just information. It's nothing I want you to stress about. If you can stay at home, you know, especially if you're having prodromal labor for, you know, weeks on and off, I feel like you're more likely to be able to stay at home for a while unless you're really exhausted as soon as things click, kick in. Um, but if you can remain at home until things really get going and right, remember that like 311, so you've got um, contractions that are three minutes apart, lasting for a minute long for at least an hour. If you can wait until it gets there and things really get going, then you're going to decrease your chance for extra risk of cesarean. And so that's, again, just information. But the good news is that with prodromal labor, you do quite a bit of the work before active labor kicks in. So if you remember that from the beginning of what I said, every contraction is doing something. And every something that it's doing is bringing closer you closer to your baby. And just because we can't see or um, like see what's happening inside or the vaginal exams aren't telling us what exactly is going on with labor doesn't mean that the work isn't being done. So I want to encourage you that prodromal labor is just part of a birth story. There is nothing that makes it good or bad necessarily. It's just part of the birth story. And so remembering to remain flexible on your birth map, on your birth preferences, having all of the good things that you can in place to make it a really positive experience either way, remembering about that emotional exhaustion and to take care of yourself physically and emotionally, all of that will hopefully be to your benefit. All right, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode and I just want to tell you and encourage you that no matter which way birth begins or goes, that as long as you have the information and as long as you have the birth support and you have practiced and you've done what your part is, I promise that it's going to be just part of your birth story and part of an excellent experience. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.